Welcome to the latest episode of Platform. Today, we're going to be speaking to one of my favorite skaters of all time, Billy O'Neill. I'm a big fan of Billy skating. I have been ever since his section in Ego. I first saw him when he was in Closer, but then he kind of didn't really stand out from that many other skaters of that era. I feel like in Ego, he really came into his own and then he had phenomenal sections in freestyle rolling and The Truth too, that had the massive 540 ender. Um, He's also had, you know, amazing parts in the final main game video, Accidental Machines. So I want to talk about that because I know that getting on main game was a big deal for Billy because he's a huge Dustin Latimer fan. And just talk about filming for the final video, if you got to spend time with people on the team, stuff like that. He also had an incredible final section to kind of mark his retirement as a pro for Haitian, where he did some just phenomenal stunts. It felt like you know, half that section was Enders, including the famous Disaster Soul on Staples Center. So going to talk a little bit about that. He also released a VOD last year and had a section in the most recent Haitian video. And it looks like he's filming for the new video groove. So for a retired pro skater, he is not doing very good at being retired. In fact, he seems to be pumping out quite a steady amount of footage. In addition to being a really influential pro skater and someone I have a lot of admiration for, along with Austin Paz, he also started Jump Street Podcast, which I love. I think it's probably the best chat show slash podcast in Blading. They've just got really good high production value. Because they were based in New York originally, they had a lot of pros passing through town so they could interview them in person and make it a lot more personal. And I just think they've done a really great job with it. They've contributed to some good causes, donating skates to charity and getting them to people who need them. Um, and just had some really, really interesting guests, you know, people from the past and people who continue to be influential today. They've also had a few awkward episodes, um, including the most recent one with Josh Petty, that was quite controversial. And I understand Billy and Austin got a bit of a hard time for it as a result. So we just want to touch on that. I just want to talk about Billy's history and blading in general, growing up in New York and the crazy things that they used to get up to, you know, skating a lot with Dustin Halloran and Boshy Pope and Mike Johnson. And, you know, what it was like when he went on tour with USD and the various companies he skated for, because he visited a lot of countries during his time as a pro skater. So hopefully we'll get a lot of interesting stories out of him, uh, find out some hidden gems and yeah, just get to know more about Bill. Before we do that, though, cue the music. Billy, Bill, William, how are What's we? going on? How you doing, Dave? I'm good. How you doing? I can't good, believe you got you. up this early to do this. I wake up at like 6 a.m. every day, 6.30. Why would you do that to yourself? It just started happening when I uh, got to be 35. Right, go okay. to sleep early, wake up early. I don't know. I'm old. I mean, I do that, but that's only because I've got a child and I'm not brave enough to stay up past midnight in case she gets up at 
stupid a clock, but you you've got no reason. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, I like getting up early. You wake up, you get a lot of stuff done. Um, I normally uh, work pretty early. I was working before, like starting at seven, and usually starting at like uh, seven or eight at jobs. So just got used to it. And now, <clears throat> if I try to stay up to eleven, I'm just like completely, completely tired. So. <laughs> It's just like part of being old now. I don't know. Yeah, catches up to you. I hear you. So, uh, how was how was Bleed Havasu? When did you guys get back? Because I saw that was was Austin and Long Beach with you for a few days. Yeah, um, yeah, Blade Havasu was it was good. We went on Friday morning and we came back Sunday morning. Um, it's like five hours away from California, and ended up going because well, one Austin was going, and we thought it would be a good opportunity. To, to do some live podcasts because you know we prefer doing it live than than the zoom usually just it's you can see on when we do on the zoom we're often i'm often cutting people off or because it's hard to get the cues but i think it's a bit easier um for at least me when in person so um so i was like yeah i'll go do that and we had a ton of friends from staten island where i'm from go there my friend derek my buddy zenny my buddy adam caroselli uh, my old friend narong who's in the air force who i haven't seen for a while jp came out from butter tv so it was like a bit of a reunion as well. Right. So yeah, it was cool. We went out there, did that for a few days. And then we brought uh, Austin. We thought Austin could come back because Kyle from Brain Dead. Not sure if you know Brain Dead, but um, they've been doing yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, the fashion brand on Fairfax. Yep. So yeah. they've been doing stuff with Julio and Kyle's been coming to Sunday brunch. So um, yeah, we've been, uh, he was just talking. He was like, yeah, I've been watching some of your podcasts. I was like, oh, cool. You watch. It's really cool. He was like, yeah, I saw the one with Edwards. I thought it was cool. He he saw the one with Petty. He he said he, he actually talked about that. And then he talked, he saw the one with Meredith Lady. And he was like, I really liked that one. And then he, he mentioned, he was like, hey, you know, I have a place on Fairfax and it's an old movie theater from like 1943. And you could, uh, you know, it's an old silent movie theater. You could come if you want and shoot a podcast there. So I said, oh, that's a really cool opportunity. Uh, thank you. Uh, tr- I'll, cons- I'll try to find someone or that'd be really cool. So we were trying to get Brian Bowen Smith on and we were like, oh, co- that, that would have been a good one. Yeah. Okay. We were tr- yeah, we were trying to, we were in coordination for a bit um, and, you know, contacting a little bit, but it just ended up not working. So we ended up getting in touch with Schwab because Ben's band drug dealer, um, they do things with. Um, brain dead or they know each other they work with like similar record companies something like that but i was like oh so we should do it with ben and then <clears throat> ended up talking to ben and then that's why austin decided to come out to la and then when he was out in la i said we should do some patreon stuff here while you're here in long beach and so we did some of that it was fun yeah and austin rinsed an old school uh iconic rail from standfast i, I saw mm. that yeah the, the lowest handrail on planet earth it's like the best rail on the planet. That, that's ridiculous. Yeah, even seeing Austin and his little tiny legs standing next to it, it's even short on Austin. You know, if it's short on Austin, it's it's like a play rail. You know, it's funny that you mentioned the, the stand fest because when Austin was here, we had like a day where it, w- it was raining and uh, we were just like kind of tired from skating. So we just stayed in a bit and we watched some old school videos. We watched Smell the Glove. And and then we saw yeah, Under the Influence, which is incredible. If you haven't seen Under, Under the Influence in a while, yeah. go watch that. It's just, it's incredible. And then we watched Standfast. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, in Standfast, Aaron Feinberg board slides that yeah, rail. Yeah, skateboard, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he does it, like, I'm not trying to, like, it, he he board slid that rail in 1999 or, or 98, whenever Standfast yeah, was. Yeah, it was like, yeah, yeah. Over, over two decades ago, yeah. 
So it's like it's it's funny if you think about like if maybe he goes out blading and like some skateboarders try to talk shit to him, he could be like, dude, I've been board sliding rails like ten years before you even put had a skateboard under your feet. That's that's just whatever on a side note. But um, so when like, he, he could pull the Jonathan Bergeron on them, he could be like, yeah, man, how about how about I try your skateboard, you try my skates, and we'll we'll see who comes out on top, and then takes the guy's board, job done. He, well, Bergeron is a different beast, but uh, there's actually a lot of bladers that could do that. Shima could do that, um, or he used to be able to before he got hurt. He was really good on a skateboard. Uh, Bellino can do that. Montre can do that. So there are some some uh, bladers that actually end up being the best skateboarder at the park sometimes. Jeff Stockwell can do that. Um, but, yeah, so we just uh, – back to the story. Uh, the board slide on the rail. I was like, I can't believe he board slid that rail like 22 years ago. I was like, it's just on the block. Also was like, oh, it's that's in Long Beach. We gotta go. We gotta go. So we went to and shot a little Patreon thing there, and then it started raining, and Austin just had to get a session, and he started skating it by himself. No one was filming, and I was like, oh, I gotta pull my phone out, just put it on live really quick, and he just ripped it for like two, three minutes, and then rain came down a little hard and called it. It's cool. That's like the blade geek dream when you find out an iconic spot is within touching distance, and you're like, well, I can't, we can't not go to it. Like that's yeah, I, I think anyone that remembers that from that time would be hard pressed to like not put the skates on and at least even if it's just a royal or a top so yeah um austin's been stacking quite a lot of clips at blade havasu and you know on his travels but billy you've you've been you've been slacking you don't have a single clip from havasu so yeah i, I, f- I feel like austin might be showing you up a little bit over the past week yeah um <clears throat> just before havasu i skated with dave Payne and miguel on the sunday prior to the the trip and i was trying to like roll on these letters to topsoil this thing and i fell down I'm glad, pretty hard I'm glad you're bringing this up because i was going to ask about that yeah. that looked yeah I, horrible i fell down pretty hard on my wrist and and my leg and um so my wrist is is still pretty bad but my right thigh like i hit it really hard and i was like not able to like bend or like go past a certain point i thought i would be good by the time i got to have a suit and uh, the first day I got to have a suit was just like not, I was like, oh man, you can't even do it. So I did all kind of things. I went in the lake, which was freezing cold. And I like tried to stay in there and just like rub it out. I put like the hit bomb on it like crazy. I was putting like the massage thing, like, like really trying to work it out. And then the next day I was able to skate like barely, but like not in any um, conse- consequential way. Yeah. So I was just like, you know, I like front side of the rail did a couple rail soles but i still wasn't feeling good so i was just like kind of cruising but i wasn't in in clip mode or anything but yeah but then we skated like them tuesday like a couple days later and i was just fine so it's just like it's like again at this age like especially after taking like a spill like sometimes i think like i'm younger in my head and then i take a spill and my body's like yo you, you gotta chill because like something like that i would have ate a little easier back in the day but now i just like stay down maybe a bit longer or yeah your, your um, body reminds you you're like your your mind might be telling you you're young but i'm here to i'm here to let you know that's that's no longer the case <laughs> exactly so i basically go I, I listen to my master and uh that's when my body allows me to skate i'm very grateful but that that was particularly after a uh, a bit of a you know a fall a fall that kind of hurt me more than I had expected to. So yeah, it I wasn't able to really skate and have a suit. But I still had to go to do like the podcast, and I was like still trying to put my skates on. And but it was a uh, that so that's that. Um, speaking of the podcasts, Chad Hornish said that he went about the same level as you on Staples Center, but he wouldn't say what the trick is. 
What, what did I, he tell you the trick was? <laughs> he didn't tell me. He didn't tell me. He said I had to wait. And you know what? Um, That's a bold claim. That is a, if he if he doesn't deliver something pretty spectacular yeah. in that spot, he's people are going to remember that. And that's going to turn into a meme. People are going to take that, that little bit of video and be like, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. Chad is incredible. Like every time I skate with him, it's it's pretty shocking. Like when I was skating with him at Pow Wow, he was just like, yeah, shockingly good at all aspects. Like he's really good at incredibly good at bowl and just like skate park huge hammers like tech technical he has like all of the aspects down i really think he's pretty underappreciated to be honest he's, yeah but, he's, he's, he's definitely had bad luck when it comes to sponsors yeah and i maybe some trouble finding his his place uh but uh or what team he should be on or whatever but he's he's like an incredible he's one of the top guys and um yeah for him to say that yeah, I'm not shocked. You know, to be honest, I don't even think my trick was that crazy. I just think there was a lot of energy behind it. And I'll tell you why. Because, you know, like I said, I went to the ledge and like I was like, uh, you know, trying to think of a trick I could do because it's an epic spot. And, you know, Happy Three sold that. He true porn that. True porn on that high, steep ledge, like turning your back to that is probably the craziest thing to to that. Like, you know, I stick with I, within my wheel set. Soul grinds. I love soul grinds, like in a Randy Spicer kind of way. It's not, so, it's like, not really you know, a soul grind, though, is it? It's it's yeah, a okay. it's a leap of faith to soul grind. I'm I'm not trying to shit on myself. I really love the clip, but I do think that there are some tricks that are that have already been done that are crazier than that. To be honest, that I would never do. So, it, and that's just argued, from my perspective. Yeah. So it, it doesn't. It, yeah, it doesn't demerit it, but yeah, like there, it could be more technical, but it could be argued that yours has had more consequences. Well, I appreciate that. And I'm very actually proud of that trick. But, you know, if him doing something, there's still a ton to be done there. I went there the other oh, yeah. day and I was like, there's all this unique stuff that could be done right there that hasn't been done before. So I'm excited to see it. I think it's going to I think he's I think he's right. And if he said it, I think he's going to deliver. So all right. I'm excited. And if he, you know, if he doesn't. I don't know, he's going to deliver in other ways. He's the man like, he's, yeah, you know, so. yeah, it's quite fun. Yeah. I do find it funny when people do stuff like that and make quite bold claims and then mm. you think, God, they're a cocky little asshole. And then they actually like come through and you're like, wow, they were not wrong. <laughs> no. Is that there's a time at um the very first time I had a stall at Winter Clash for Wheel Scene. Maxime, do you know Maxime Genot? Mm -hmm. He's sponsored by Rollerblade. He was just yeah. amateur at the time for them. And he came up and I'd just done an interview with him in the magazine. And I was like, hey man, how'd it go? And he'd just done his first run in the prelims of the am competition and i was like oh how'd your run go i heard like i heard your name get called and he's like yeah man i think i've got this he's like i think i'm gonna win and i was standing with a bunch of friends and they're like that guy's an asshole they're like the guy thinks he's gonna win against there was like you know 500 people competing or something like that yeah, yeah he he walked away with that company he came first by a country mile and then everyone afterwards was like okay maybe he's not an asshole maybe he just he just read the situation perfectly right so no, yeah. I, I mean, in a, in a competitive format, I think that could be a completely useful mentality. And you, if you think you're going to like beat some of those top guys, cause there's so many great skaters, then you should have that mentality when you're being competitive. See me like with me, I've always been like a little, uh, you know, insecure, try to like un sell, sell down my skating. Like, yo, if it's like, you know, hopefully it's okay. Like, you know, oh, it's not that bad. Like, you know, um, 
And because I'm actually scared of those critiques and things like that, like, you know, being like, yo, it's sick and be like, oh, he's a cocky ass or whatever the case may be. But I like that looking in on that, on other people, like when they, yeah. when they believe in their own shit, they have the confidence and then they deliver. That's like, that's dope. man. like, you know, I'm scared of that's scary to do. Yeah, like, there's, you know, there's like something you said, to be said about that. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, like the Michael Jordan mentality, like Jordan says, it's really easy to talk shit when you're on top, but when you're getting your ass kicked in a game and you're still talking shit, that's when you know that person's like that person's scary and someone to watch out for because they're not phased. And you know, Jordan would do that during games. He's like, I'm coming back and you're gonna lose. And they're like, We're like 50 points ahead, you're not winning this game. And then yeah, he'd just destroy them. So yeah. I mean, a lot of a lot of in our in the world and in our game, a lot of the greats were like that, you know, uh Shima, Hafi, Aragon, Montre. They were all like that. They were like, I'm going to go to that competition. I'm going to win. I'm winning this one. Let's go. Like, you know, and so, yeah. and they brought it. And like when the other one won, they're like, I'm going to get you next time or something like that. It was just that, but it wasn't a, it wasn't in this like super serious way. It's more like a playful uh, camaraderie kind of, yeah. kind of way. Yeah. Um, we've talked about other people way too much. We need to get sure. back to you. So as a retired pro, you're the worst retired pro in living memory because since retiring you've had a heap of clips in the new haitian video which mm. is shady Ishid? Ishidi? Um, oh uh Echede. dom told me how to pronounce that and i still yeah Echede. i'm never gonna get that right <laughs> and then you had a vod out last year that had a stack of hammers in it that you don't mm. consider hammers but i would say disaster in a kink rail and doing the bottom part is mm. a stunt and so is Mackie on a rail and hopping over another rail to the next set I agree, and, yeah. and the sav off like the roof height drop there was like that was not a tame section even by your standards it okay it wasn't early 2000s billy o'neill but it was still like holds its own against anything that's coming out at the moment thank you and then you're throwing yourself <laughs> off letters higher than your own letters. head for <laughs> dave Payne. so you you kind of suck at being a retired pro skater <laughs> yeah um well, I guess like for when I did, I'm retired, which might have seemed like a narcissistic announcement or something like inconsequential or something uh, maybe silly to do. Because I remember when I, I did that, there were some people saying some things like um, or maybe speculating as to the reasoning why. But at the time I was I went from like Razors to USD to SSM. And then when I was on SSM, like the I wasn't being i was doing more than i was getting we would never get paid i was told i was going to get paid like uh, a grand a month when i left usd and then i didn't get paid for like when i said they were going to pay me it's like till six months after and it was like 300 bucks a month and then like, i was on tour and i was like going down to la and filmed that whole haitian section shot like for the cover of the magazine and like was doing all this stuff and then even that stopped showing up so because they were having problems and nothing against shima ultimate yeah. respect but I got to the point where I was like, I'm not going to like let somebody use my name for free, but I also don't want to shit on SSM or Brian or any of my teammates uh, ambitions by putting out like why I would be leaving SSM. And I'm, I don't see myself going to another company because I've already skated for USD and Razors and I'm not going to like, I don't see anywhere else to go. And I'm at the time I was 29 going on 30. And I was like, I'm not going to try to like go to a new company and do all this and just be that guy that skates for everyone. And I was like, so for me to make the decision to not allow SSM to use my name anymore without shitting on SSM and bringing them down or my teammates, I was just like, I'm going to retire. So that's kind of the decision that went behind that. It was never like, I'm not going to skate uh, 
anymore or anything like that. It's just gonna, I just didn't see any other places for me to go as a pro. And I just yeah. didn't want uh, SSF. Yeah, like love Brian. But at the time I was like, yeah, I'm not gonna let, you know, I'm busting my ass over here doing like, you know, that SSM section, which I got beat up doing and all that stuff. The way I skate, uh, I get beat up sometimes, <clears throat> you know, like we all do. But uh, so I mean, that was the, the type of skating you did lends itself to getting beat up more than most people. Like, sure. Let's, let's okay. be honest. That's what I think a little bit too, but I didn't want to like kind of come out and, but yeah, so maybe not the smartest way to go about it for longevity, but, um, <laughs> but so that was the reasoning behind the, the retiring now. Yeah. I've always loved skating and I was like trying to do other things like, you know, work. I went back to being a bike messenger. I always skated during the time, but I just like felt like, Oh, I could just enjoy skating now. And, uh, yeah, so the Haitian thing is a trip with friends. Like, it was just like, hey, go on a trip with friends. We're filming a video. For me, it's just an excuse to hang out with friends. So if in that we got to skate some spots, like, all right, let's skate some spots. But there was a really good energy there. I didn't know if it was going to be chilling or, like, ripping. But right when I got off the plane, Leon, who's my age, was just killing it. And I was like, oh, it's going to be one of those kind of trips. All right, let's go. I'm up for it, you know, because I've been, like, I kept up skating, but I just wasn't skating like really hard like that. I would just, so I was like able to move. So yeah, just had some fun on that trip. That was like my first time kind of hitting real spots in like maybe a year and a half, like other than skate parks and ledges and stuff like that. And uh, I moved back to California and (laughs) Iraq kept saying, yo, we got to do a a VOD. We got to do a VOD for like a year. And I was like, yeah, yeah, we'll do it for sure. For sure. Like, you're not really thinking I was ever going to do it. (laughs) And then my dog ended up needing a surgery for like, uh, $5,000. And I was like working a job kind of like on a month to month, not, not making much money. And I was like, Oh, this is going to kill me. And then I saw him like a couple of days later, he was like, yo, let's do a VOD. I was like, all right, let's do it. So I saw some spots yeah. around town that I was like, um, inspired by like the Macchiota gap and, uh, stuff like that. And we just like, I would work and after work, you go get like a couple of clips. And we just did it like that for like two and a half months. And I think we had two full days and that was just like, I wanted to do, and I was also thinking before that I was like, you know what? I kind of do want to do one more part. Let me do one while I can. So, so I just like, that was my feeling behind it. And then when I did it, I felt good about it. And so that was the thing behind that. So that was for like to do one more part and to kind of make money for my dog. (laughs) And then the letters, did it make enough money to like $5,000 is a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. I was shocked with how well it did. Okay, so you're not going to tell me how well it did. Well, we had over 1,500 um, buys. And it was, yeah, it was like five bucks a piece, right? But some people bought for more than five. Okay. Yeah, some people were, so I was, we, I was uh, hoping to make like 4K on it so we can make like at least 2K toward the bill, something like that. Yeah. And then we did more and I was like really shocked. I was like, whoa, like, uh, yeah, I was pretty, pretty, I was really shocked. And so was Erod. Erod said it was one of the best ones. Yeah, I think are, the best like, one he's done. Yeah. That is because I've selling. spoken to a lot of people that have released VOD parts and that's, that's, that number is up there with some of the best. Erod said it was that, that like the, one of the highest one, the highest one he's had, you know, because, but I think there's a, it's not because of like the quality or anything behind that. It just like the last part I had put out before that was like seven and a half years prior. So I hadn't like put out a section since I was 29 and I shot this one at 36. So I mean, yeah, 37 now, but I shot it at 36. And 
So I think I think that had something to do with it. I think if I shot something yeah, like, like pe- people yeah. were just desperate to see you, like I, and it was during I, COVID too. When I found right? out you brought you're bringing out a new section, I was like, "Fuck yes!" Like you're one of my favorite skaters. Of I, I was thinking about this beforehand that I was like listing the top ten, and I was like, "He's up there with the top ten of my probably favorite skaters of all time." When I found out you're a new part. Man. I was like, yeah, it's never going to be that Haitian section, but it doesn't need yeah. to be. Like, it's still <laughs> going to be enjoyable to watch. I'll tell you something funny about that too. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I kind of lost my train of thought there. But the Haitian section, I got a. I'll just go on that. I got a message from. Uh, I got a lot of love for the section. People were like, yo, great work and everything like that, and it really, really made me feel good. Brought me to actually tears a couple of times. I can come to tears when you get older. Sometimes you're like overwhelmed, and I was just like, oh man, like crazy. Uh, the response that I got on that. And um, so everyone's saying good thing. And then I got a message from, I don't want to, uh, it's funny. Joe Zank sent me a message. He said to what you just said, he was like, yeah. Um, hey man, that part was pretty cool. It wasn't accidental machines, you know, but it was good. <laughs> and I was that's, like, that's well, that dry German, like wet though. Like, he, he probably yeah. was, he probably was just you know, <laughs> fucking with you a little bit as well, because you is he's, he's got a dry German yeah. sense of humor. Yeah. No, I told him, I was like, yeah, you know, I was 23 when I got that and when I shot accidental machines. And since then I've been hit by like, you know, three cars, suffered a brain injury, been through a ton of injuries. You've, and You've tried really just, hard to get killed. Yeah. <laughs> I was just happy to put it out. So I was just happy to do something. And then it's like, oh man, no disrespect. And I was like, no, I, I get it. I don't, I don't take it personal. It's funny. Like, but I just, that's why, you know? Yeah. So I'm just happy to do it. And, uh, oh yeah, the letters. Um, I ride my bike past there every day and I'm like, this is the coolest thing. So like, I want to do tricks if I get inspired. Like I was telling Austin the other, the other yesterday when he was getting that rail, I was like, I really have no desire to kind of skate these rails anymore other than like frontside or Royale, because I'm not like inspired by these. Cause it's like just at my stage right now, I've done the, a lot of the down rails and I end up getting hurt on them. So, but something like those letters, I'm like, Ooh, that's fun or cool. So that really had nothing to do with Dave. I just like actually went there with Miguel to do it. And then Dave was like, oh, shit, you guys are doing that? Like, I'll come around. And then I did it with Miguel. And then Dave came and, and I just did it again for Dave. And I was because I just wanted to do that. But I'm happy right. to do it for Dave because Dave is the man. So, so it wasn't it wasn't a video groove mission. It was just coincidental that he happened to, you know, well, well, we in, knew we were skating with Dave later that day, but Dave right. was kind of taking a bit. And I've been like antsy on that trick for a while. And Miguel was like, you want to just go do it? I was like, yeah, let's go do it. And just because, yeah, like things like that, I still get excited about because I'm like, oh, that's I see something like, oh, that's that's cool. That's there. Why hasn't anyone done that? Or, And I also didn't think I was going to fall like that. So, I was about to say, I think I think you found out why no yeah. one does that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny, man. So, sometimes I look at things like, oh, that's that's just chill. Like, I don't know why my brain works like that. now, But I'm just like, that's just chill. And then it's just like it ends up not being that way. So I don't know. <laughs> So there's no, right, so there's no actual plans for you to have any kind of involvement in new video groove or did that get you and Dave talking or? Oh, no, I was, I was filming with Dave for video groove before that because Dave's my boy and I'm filming for video groove with him. Ah, Um, Just, I'm not filming a part. I'm just filming with him because Dave's my boy and he's close and get out there when I, when we can. But, um. 
Yeah, just that trick was whatever. I was happy to get it with Dave, but um, so, yeah, so you're, not, I'm, I'm, you're, you're not putting the guilt on. I'm like, Dave, how come how come Mike and Dustin got sections and and I never got a section? Dave, like, right this wrong. It's time to it's time to make amends for the past. <laughs> no, he he to, he told me he was like, oh, I've always I wish I did a section with you, but yeah, Mike and Dustin. I mean, um, that section was only supposed to be Mike. So like, I remember because I, I watched yeah. the podcast and that's quite funny because I always think of Mike as I genuinely believe Mike might be like the funniest, most charismatic pro that we've ever had. He is just, I've met him a few times and he's just like naturally hilarious. Mm-hmm. And when he was on that podcast talking about how he's quite shy and self-conscious and he just didn't want that level of pressure on him. I was like, I, it's quite funny. You just, most people don't think of you that way. They think of you as this like really like this guy with like iron confidence. And it was, it was just, it was, uh, it was endearing to hear him basically say that, Oh no, like I get self-conscious like everyone else. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, Mike always, since we were kids came off very alpha Yeah. and, um, yeah, I think he, he pushes you to like, to see where you're at he like tests people to see, you know, what he can get away with sometimes. I don't know. Mike's oh, a no, very... he's like, he is, he's a renowned ball breaker. Like yeah, everyone, oh, yeah, everyone yeah. knows that about Mike. He talks yeah. shit on everyone. Yeah. He, but basically, um, you know, in growing up with him, um, and you know, I, I, I don't, his wedding wasn't like official cause it was like state by, but I was like pretty much the best man of his state wedding. And like, we like hung out and, but but basically growing up with him and knowing him for as long as I have and being like really good friends with him, he um yeah, he he tests to see what he can get away with. He pushes and he's very um he brings the best out of you when you're with him on every level because he's staying very sharp at all times. So whether you're engaging in conversation, banter, back and forth, skating, he's gonna bring the best out of you because he just pushes you in that way. So I've I've always loved that about him. Yeah, yeah. Um, that actually brings me on to, I want to talk about Mike a little bit later, but that brings me on to a point because I always, I always think of you as like a new school skater, as in like when I think of old school people, I think of like Arlo or Chris Edwards or like a little bit later, like Randy and Champion. And, yep. But I always think of you as like new school because the first section I ever saw of you was the split section you had with Dustin and Closer. Mm. But that's not the case. You're not mm-hmm. really that... Like, obviously, you then rose to prominence after that with, you know, mm-hmm. Ego and later joining Deshi and USD. But you'd been, you'd been around, you must have been around for quite a while before that because your friends were Ryan Jaclone. And I remember a time you talking about an argument you had with Ryan where he was like, no, skateboarding's way cooler than rollerblading. Mm-hmm. And you got all mm-hmm. pissed at him. And I was like, that was no his wh- brother. It was his brother, Gianni, that actually. And then Ryan kind of backed him up. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Right. And I was like, well, they must go back because that's like, but you must've been a little kid back then when, so did you guys ever skate together or did you just connect later or what was? I didn't grow up skating with Ryan. Um, We were the next generation after that in New York. So my crew was like, you know, Hollerin, uh, Mike Johnson, Bashi Pope, uh, Carly Sanchez, like uh, the Freddies, Angel Bahana. Um, So yeah, these were the guys that were like uh, part Omar Morsi, you know, Damien Prashad. So yeah, so, Franco Camayo. So did you, you guys know. come up after like Gil Vasquez and all those guys had quit or? Yeah, 
pretty much that we'd still see some people around like John Ortiz was yeah. always present. Ray Mendez was always present. Um, Joe was always present on his, on a very, like you would go to Flushing and he would just be skating there by himself. Joe never quit Joe Dedentro. So he was, uh, yeah, he, like there were people that never stopped, but there were some people that pretty blatantly and decisively stopped, you know? Right. So that was, uh, you know, Ryan was a part of that. And so there was a gap there, but, I think somewhere along the IMYTAs is when I met that. No, that is when I met Ryan um, and like John Julio. He was he was throwing like parties at the IMYTAs at a club uh, called the library. And I met him there and he's like, yo, I heard you like the new New York guy. What's up, bro? And like, so we kind of got <laughs> tight pretty quick. Like we got a similar um, like family background and stuff like that. So I was about to say you two have got a very similar I don't know how to word this, but you've got a very similar vibe. Like he, like in terms of skating, in terms of the way you're kind of like portrayed in videos and stuff like that, I would yeah. say people have a very similar impression of you that they have of Ryan. Yeah, well, like uh, both Ryan and I grew up in like uh, Irish and Italian American homes. And there's like a little bit of a, uh, maybe like loud culture behind that and like argumentative and like maybe like like a bit of a fighting culture behind that and so uh, he comes off that way I, I like I've always kind of been that way from from my home and, and neighborhood and stuff like that so yeah like I think we like indirectly ended up being um, kind of similar as people so we kind of hit it off pretty fast but I'll be honest um, when I grew up skating, he wasn't like a person I was particularly inspired by in the beginning until later. I like I was more, you know, I was huge on like Brian Bell and like those kind of guys. And I love like, you know, D clan, like John Ortiz. I love like that. But uh, I think it's weird because like Jack alone was like he he quit like just before almost he was like almost too early for me to, to for yeah. me to really understand or appreciate uh until later but then like yeah um I, he wasn't an he wasn't like an early inspiration no disrespect ryan but uh yeah i kind of wonder that because later well we'll talk about this in a little bit but you obviously the way your style developed as you got further into skating and then you started incorporating the kind of i don't know whether you call them misty flips or bios but like the rocket i would call it a rocket bio i don't know if you'd mm -hmm. call what would you call yeah. it uh, like yeah like a rocket bio five something yeah like i always thought that might have been influenced by ryan jaclone because that was his like trademark trick in the 90s and then he's a new york guy you're a new york guy so i just thought maybe there was a connection there or you looking back in history but i just <clears> thought <throat> it was really coincidental that you're both these kind of similar attributes similar skating styles and then you ended up doing similar tricks as well yeah, see, I, I, see, maybe subconsciously, and I don't want to, I think, you know, maybe, but like, uh, we also, and I'm, I don't want to take anything from him. So yeah, like, I'll just go ahead and say, yeah, he, he did. <laughs> but, but, just to be but, but, that stuff. No, but, but also, uh, we also did this, we used to skate at Riverside Skate Park back in the day when it only had every Wednesday after school, before people had cell phones, um, and before people had like pagers, it was just, hey, after school, go to Riverside Skate Park. Everyone from the five boroughs would be there. And it was a mini ramp. 
and there was a large skated there it used to have the really fat rail that was really high and you could jump onto the picnic bench and then grind it i split that rail when i was like you skated that 15 six that was back in the day too because that was the first version of it that was before i think they might have even had the mini ramp because was it before they had the mini ramp uh that might have been. There was a vert. I think there was, there was a, vert a vert ramp, but it was closed. Yeah. But I went. My, my dad took me down, and my dad wasn't really a fan of me skating. And I'd been right. skating for like a few years by then, doing handrails. And he just went, just left me to it, and sat on the bench outside. And the very first thing I went for was the rail on top of the picnic bench, yep. and split it at the top, and just dropped oh, no. to the ground and like scorpioned it. And my dad was like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Like, <laughs> like this must have been ninety eight. Like ninety nine. It was. It was in the nineties. Yeah, because that yeah. the big skate shop was still open. Um. Mm-hmm. That had all the graffiti on the walls, and blades. I remember, I think it was blades, and all the local skaters had wrote mentions on it, and they'd wrote like, say, like John Ortiz had wrote like Calvin Sales sucks and like stuff like that, and like they basically just like, oh maybe City Skate, maybe that was City Skate. I think it was maybe in a. I went to two. One was in a basement, and one was one was quite a big shop, and they had all the wheels just individually on the walls, like bolted in. I can't remember, but the yeah, one in the was... basement was Blades, and that was on Eighty Sixth right. Street. I think go yeah. down the stairs. Okay, so but uh, yeah, so that that place, um, that's crazy. You 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 went there on that was before the mini, and when you mentioned the picnic table on the bench, they took that out around two thousand two thousand one. So that that was a while okay. ago, but we used to always meet there after school, and uh, skate the. You know, we'd skate the mini all day and then we'd just skate the, the launch box after because it had the mini, the launch box and the vert. So with the launch box all day, we'd all be, all we could do is 180s and 540s and 360s. Some would do a Misty and some would do a 720. Some would do a 900. I didn't do that. But, uh, you know, there's, we would just test all different kind of grabs, Lou Kang's rockets. And for me, like I couldn't do the Louie right because I Louied like with my left foot, but spun to the left. And I feel like it's better if you Louis with your right foot and then you spin to the left. And so my Louis always looked weird. And uh, I would just do a bunch of mute 180s. But then I was like, oh, rockets really work for me. Like, I just, I don't know. So that's kind of, it just ended up just experimenting and rockets ended up being like, oh, uh, my Louis suck. Um, my stales aren't that good either. And now I'm going to just do a, uh, yeah. So that's how that ended up working out. <laughs> Plus, that would have been that year where Josh Petty was doing the like perfectly horizontal Liu Kang, like 360s and 540s. And if you weren't doing them that way, you would just get roasted a little bit by your friends. And they're like, oh, you just kicked out. Oh, that sucks. Like, you, need, you need to have it extended the whole time. And you're like, oh, guess I'm not doing those anymore. I'm just going to get abuse every time I try it. No. Um, yeah, I can get that. There was quite a standard back in the day for, for style because there wasn't su- such a plethora of options of where you could go with skating. So w- within the little things that you had, those little things mattered a lot. That's what I was going to ask because obviously it's been touched on a few times in Jump Street and I was very well aware of it because of the whole like Daily Bread would document it and stuff like that. But the Philly standard where you would get shit for doing certain tricks or for landing tricks in a certain way or for not coming out fakey or not doing such and such. You obviously went to Philadelphia a lot during that time and you know you hung about with people like the Kelsos and Fredericks and Shuda. What were what were some of the the Philly standards that you remember that people would get a really hard oh. time for? Oh, this is easy. Um well, for, first of all, <laughs> Jimmy's not like that anymore, nor nor is Jeff, but Jimmy and Jeff were pretty I, tough. I don't know if I believe that for a second because <laughs> I, I heard the Jeff one and Jeff, Jeff still sounds like a loudmouth with a big opinion. Yeah, that's then, then you know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I'll, I'll leave that to But they are very nice guys and I love them both, but they, they do have certain uh, opinions and standards. I do think Jimmy's gotten a little looser over time, but um, you had to skate flat. 
Okay. When you come off tricks fakey, you have to stay fakey. Um, show control. Um, grab everything. Spins and grinds. If you don't grab it, doesn't count. Right. Um, and I remember this. This is a particular one I was skating with. Uh, and it's funny because they used to skate flat, but they skate like 52 flat and then talk shit. That's <laughs> so, what I mean. It's basically anti. Like, I know. <laughs> you remember how small flat wheels were? Like, see if you're riding a 54 or yeah. a 52 millimeter. You're not riding flat. The Kelsos yeah. still do that. Like, see yeah. when you see Sean Kelso's them skates, he's got the 58 millimeter them, but they're wore down to like nubs. He's riding on nubs. <laughs> That's not flat. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything about that, but I know that these guys back were doing the 52 flat, which, and then talking shit, which was pretty funny. But, um, so me and murder went down with, uh, some New York guys, AJ Paredes and, uh, maybe angel Bahana. And we were just skating a ledge and I like negative mistrial it. And Jimmy comes up and he's like, Hey, Oh no, I negative porn started. And he was like, Jimmy comes up and he goes, Hey, no negatives in Philly. <laughs> His negatives were a dirty, they were a dirty trick back in the day because people didn't do them properly. They leaned on the other foot. So yeah. it was considered a not trick. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. Uh, Mike Johnson had my back. He was like, what? And then he went up really fast. He negative mistrial the ledge, which is dope. <laughs> had my back there. Shout out murder. That is so funny. Yeah. Yeah. Negatives used to get a hard time because um, like it, it seemed like pro skaters when they picked up negatives in the 90s it was the kiss of death for their career like omar Song picked them up and then just like dropped out of completely out of favor with like mainstream blading media and stuff like that yeah or uh yeah like the latonas and stuff like that that's quite funny did that ever leak over into new york was there ever like new york rules where it was like whoa that you're not doing that that's whack that's not that that doesn't count like don't um, don't do that in front of me again well we all we you were, guys were hyper competitive we were all pretty hard on each other um yeah we were really competitive with each other we all the time like just like the nature of new york back then and our crew was just shit talking uh but like not in like a hateful way but you know we were we were like being tough on each other we were talking all yeah. that crap like ah that was whack i'd be like yo do you see what i did on that rail be like ah, that, that was whack and just just we were just like busting each other's balls constantly it was like a part of our friendship um and we'd play skate all the time we were, like you'd like talk shit to each other about each other's skating and be like what's up let's play skate right now right now let's play skate so me and mike johnson you know, cheated last play- time that that, that that trick last time was bullshit <laughs> yeah 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 no i totally we just like rinse each other and, and i actually think that uh there's some similarities between new um, york and the uk have very UK, similar london we, we you, yeah, you treat true. your I mean, best UK, friends like they're your oh, enemies especially glasgow yeah yeah like you, guys. You, you basically just abuse each other all day and if, if people heard like overheard you they'd be like those guys fucking hate each other and they'd be like no right. this is this is how you treat like your loved ones yeah you know it's um have you ever seen just on like a side note have you ever seen the um colin quinn's the new york story and on netflix i think so no yeah, I, I recommend you watch it or anyone who's watching this, watch it. He basically goes through what developed the New York attitude and way of interacting. And he starts from like the history of like the Lenape Indians to like the Dutch and all the way the Irish and the Italians and like the attitudes coming in to like the Puerto Ricans and Jewish and all these coming in and cultures coming in and um, just what makes that banter the New York way, you know, all yeah. like the people coming in. It's a really good one. But uh I, I think, yeah, we do have similarities between the UK and like even the Irish when like when Dano came with uh, Ricky Murphy and it just like just like how we interact with each other, you know, kind of hard on each other. But it's like a hard love kind of yeah. thing, you know, like yeah. how you would treat a sibling, basically. Like, yeah, 
Yeah. But oh yeah, we battled all the time. Like, and uh, that's how we kind of, I think, but we didn't have like a, there wasn't like a standard per se because we had like, you know, all different kind of skill levels we'd skate with and we'd encourage all of our friends, like, you know, whatever, uh, you know, even if someone was just like hitting their first rail, we'd be like, let's go. We like hype them up. So it was a very, we were very supportive and family kind of group. But yeah, that being said, we're, you know, brotherly and sisterly and where yeah. we bust each other's chops all the time. Um, obviously, you came up with people like Mike and Dustin and Boshi who all had, you know, certain degrees of impact on skating. Was there anyone that you grew up with that you were like, they are the shit. They are going to be massive. They're going to, you know, they're going to get all the pro skates. Like people are going to idolize them. And then it just never happened. They just. Yeah, there were so many. There were so many talented uh, guys. There was off the top of my head right now. There's this one kid. His name was Ilya. Um, he was, a I don't know his last name, but he was a Russian kid. Um, and when, in like 99, he was better than all of us. He was like, when we just started learning like tr true kind grinds, I'm a true, true spins on rails. Like maybe someone would first do a true Mizu. He was doing true kind grinds, true front, front farve, super stylish, like true spin, Ali top Miz trials. This guy was just like an enigma. So it was him. A lot of people know Steve Cortez, but Steve yeah, Cortez. I remember Steve from the, the early time, VGs. Well, mid VGs. At the time in New York, we were like, yo, this guy is is the guy. He was just like, and, uh, you know, there was just, and honestly, like there was just like a plethora of people like that in the Northeast, uh, at least from what I was seeing. And yeah, there was just, pff, there's so many people to go through. But I mean, those two, um, people stick out in my mind pretty hard. There was Duke Lou from, you know, nickel and dime. There was, we had like a lot, there was a lot of people. I'm like, these guys are the best. You no, know, Franco, I think is one of the most underappreciated uh, skaters of all time. He could have been pro like, you know, five times over in my mind. And uh, yeah, I mean, there, there was just a super high level back then. Um, so I, I, I see those guys as being people that were like, you know, I was always like, oh, these guys are, you know, I just kept at it. Like I always felt like they were better and more naturally talented than me, but they just came in, killed it for a while, skated better than everyone. And they were like, okay, I got to go like back to work and life. And I was just like, fuck, I got to, I just kept at it. That was the only thing. If they would have kept yeah. at it. They'd be, you know, huge, huge, I think. But yeah. I always felt that way about Gil Vasquez. I remember just seeing, you don't ever see like a few clips of him ever in a video, but his style just looked so much better than everyone else's. And I was like, he can literally do a Royale and it's more impressive than anyone doing any other technical thing. And then when he disappeared, I was like, well, that sucks. And it was kind of an indicator of where skating was going because there was just all these people that I was getting really into and enjoying watching. And then you would just never hear from them again. And that yeah. very much showed the way the culture was going at that time. So, yeah, no, um, you know, that's that that's a thing that I think has been one of the things that have been one of the biggest banes on the growth of skating or like one of the biggest. I can't even think of the damn word right now. What time is it? 830. OK, but one of the biggest detriments in the in the of skating is um, there's not at least then there wasn't, you know, not only was there not much incentive to you know, stick around and continue to identify as a blader. And, you know, as it got to be later on, sometimes it would be maybe hurt you, like your association with skating in, in other aspects of, of life, because you'd get these judgments or, yeah. you know, or so 
yeah, like skateboarding doesn't have that. Like in, in their culture, like, you know, if you identify as that, it's almost a benefit in any in any other subculture. Be like, oh, okay, okay, like this, that. Um, so yeah, that's been one of the things that I think has been really hard for blading, just like the the fading of those of those people. Like, you know, and uh, but I but I I also I also get it because it's a uh, it's a tough thing. And, you know, skateboarding has like a generation above us. So like a full generation at least. And Oh, mul yeah. Multiple generations before. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I, I don't know. It's like 20 years or 30 years of generation. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but like, uh, like they got like a whole. Pff. So like those, th those guys all dealt with it, but uh, it's, I don't know. It's tough to say. I'm kind of losing my train here, but I, I like where blading's coming now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's definitely in a um, more positive direction at the moment. Um, totally got sidetracked. So Sorry, obviously yeah. the first time I saw you was in Closer. And then, to be honest, I was like, oh, yeah, he's all right. Like he's not. I was my, I, I hate that section worse than any section I've ever put out. I kind of yeah. felt like there was nothing wrong with the skating, but there was nothing to differentiate it from. Nothing there. Anything else that was going on at the time. It was like, oh, he can do good tricks on hand drills. Well, lots yeah. of skaters can. Yeah, my style was whack, you know. I get it. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't whack. It was just it kind of reminds me of Nothing like special. Remember when when Stockwell used to wear like baggy clothes and mm -hmm. like he just he just looked like every other skater, and then he defined mm -hmm. this new style for himself and started doing more expressive, creative tricks, and that was like he's arrived. He's this. Mm -hmm. He's his yep. own. He's got a thing now. Then ego came out, and I was like, holy shit, this guy's trying really hard to die. Like, hmm. it, like it seemed like everything you went for at least 50 percent of the video came with insane amount of risk like the disaster true top porn in atlanta the disaster top zone i think it was kansas city uh like all the big gaps and stuff like that and then things just seemed to fall apart with razors now i've heard a rumor that andy basically told you you would never go pro for them and that was why you left and it kind of seems like over the years andy's broke that news to a lot of people which seems like a really weird thing to do if you run a company because we've had multiple people on platform that have said the same thing and i'm like why would you sponsor someone if you think they're going nowhere and it is that what happened okay um well i can tell you my end um okay. so my end of that is because it wasn't just before, like it wasn't like you weren't the hot shit. It wasn't like you weren't holding your own or making a name for yourself. Like that video came out, and it wasn't. There were everyone had a heavy hitting section. Julian, Mike, yep. Aragon, and you were up there with them. It wasn't yeah. like they were making you look bad. Well, you know, it was. I think it was a multiple things. First of all, their team was stacked with all stars. You know, so like uh, there's only so much room and so many people you can take care of, um, and. Andy really liked his pro team at the time. And there was also Julian trying to, trying to go pro. He was am with me. And um, so basically a lot of the guys on the pro team were pushing for me to go pro. And then they were like, yo, you're going pro. And then Andy was like, yo, okay, you're going to go pro next year. And this was like in October. And he did the pro thing every, if he made someone pro it was like in January if he didn't make you pro in January, you had to, you know, wait till next January, according to him. Maybe he just said, you'll never go pro, but I didn't hear it. Um, but then he said, uh, when January came, he was like, oh, I'm sorry, you know, can't turn your pro this year, maybe next year, some shit like that. And I was just like, oh, bummer. Um, okay. 
So then I was just skating about doing my thing. And then in March, I got a call from uh, Matthias and he asked me to skate for Deshi or pro. And then he offered me a monthly. And then I was just like, yeah, cool. Um, but as far as to my understanding, he didn't say you'll never go pro. Maybe he did. Um, the, but some the guys on the team, like Mike, of course, good friend of mine was pushing. Dre was pushing for me. Aragon was pushing for me. Um, and then ended up not working out. Uh, funny thing, fast forward to like a year ago. Uh, Andy said this to me several times. He's texted it to me. I have it on text. He said, one of my biggest regrets is not turning you pro. He said that to me several times. So I, I was like, ah, that's cool to hear. I mean, it's easy to say that in hindsight after you became an iconic figure in the sport and released all these sections, but you know. Still nice. <laughs> True. But yeah. so if you guys didn't leave on bad terms, how come multiple times when Andy's name has been mentioned, have you basically not had nice things to say about him? Because even on Jump Street, you've said, you know, I don't like Andy and I don't like the way razors have treated skaters. Oh, have I said I don't like Andy? I'm, okay, I'm well, pretty sure you did, yeah. Hmm. Well, um, it's nothing personal. I mean, I, I guess, well, I do have my personal feelings, but that's not what's relevant to me. Um, what's relevant to me is what you're doing for this culture that I commit my life to, and that is my life's work, and that is many people's life's work. And um, when you have a means to do something, and you are not, I think, doing anything consequential when you have the opportunity to, then I think that's wasteful. And I don't want, and I'm, and I'm hesitant to talk poorly on them because I think Jeff is great. I love their team. You know, I'm a big fan of Derek, um, you know, Andrew Broom, the rest of the guys, you know, you know, I think John Fromm's on there, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, Okay, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm tripping. <laughs> but John, John was one of the people who get told he's never getting a skate. Okay, so 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 there you go. So okay, so he's on. And, he's I, on and I'm, not, I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to be this that or the other thing. You you see what John Julio is doing with community, right? Yeah. Okay. When you have the means to do something, you should do something to invest in the future of this thing that we all care about. Otherwise, you're out for the short term. Yeah. And if you're out for the short term and for yourself, us supporting something does not help the future grow. So when you see someone like John doing community, right? We did a, a donate and skate at Jump Street. We're a freaking podcast. We don't like make any, we don't sell a product. We have some Patreon support and some YouTube super chat support that we give half to our guests. Thank you. We appreciate it, but we don't have the like, means to do stuff and still figure out a way to get some skates, send them out. Now, if you're a company that makes a few hundred grand a year, you can give some skates out. You can support some local scenes. You can invest in some things. You can invest in your pros. And I'm not, see, I feel like I'm going off on a tear because I don't want to do anything that wants, that would hurt anyone on the team because their team is great and I love the individuals. But I just think we could be doing a better job. That's it. And I hope that people yeah. watch what John does and uh, with community. And I hope, hope, hopefully some people saw what we did with our minimal uh, resources and what we were able to do. And I just want to see more of that. And if you're a company like Razors who, you know, made a Shima skate and I think you sold sold out on it. And, you know, what's taking a few bits of skates, shipping them over somewhere? How is that going to hurt you? Like, what is, you probably write that off. You know what yeah. I mean? What's, so I just want to see more of that. And that that's my only critique. That's one of 
yeah that's one of my critiques <laughs> yeah with with the john thing you're right yeah with them it feels like their success is benefiting skating as a whole because it seems like mm-hmm. They're now taking in a ton of money. And as a result, you know, Black Lives Matter got five grand community. Like, mm-hmm. so it's like you're seeing how the company benefits is benefiting us as a culture. And I've weirdly I praise Jump Street and in the intro to this when I was talking about you saying, you know, not been going that long. They're already donating to, you know, causes like getting skates to people, disadvantaged people who can't afford it. That's a great thing. It's a positive, it's using your platform for good, which absolutely is what we want everyone to do. Um after razors it kind of felt like you were lost at sea for a little bit now i know you were on usd for years Mm. but then when i actually think back on it you had a lot of skate sponsors Mm. you had razors Mm -hmm. deshi Mm -hmm. usd ssm and then at the very end you had the weird deal with seba where they paid for you to go to the (laughs) and then i was like wait a minute billy's just had a lot of sponsors in general because i was like he was on eulogy then mind game, then street artist, then fester. Like you, you had a lot of sponsors. <laughs> so when you talk about Chad Hornish, like just not finding a home, it kind of yeah. felt like you struggled to find a home as well. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I think so. Um. Well, with I, <laughs> with uh, with razors. So so you know what happened there. And then uh, Matthias offered me to skate for Deshi. Oh, we, I couldn't. We know skate. everyone knows you hated the skates. Yeah. Could not skate the skates. <laughs> And then so Matias hooked me up with some because uh, I'm just not a soft boot kind of guy. I think just the way I skate, you know, I'm not like some people who are more precise can do that. But I was just more of a, you know, maybe oafish in a way with my skating at times or caveman ish. So it didn't work. So I needed a harder boot. USD uh, ended up working for me. SSM. Um, you know, I retired from that. We touched on it. And then the Sabre deal was funny. I hadn't been pro for like two or three years. And then I just heard everyone was going to Summer Clash and then Ross Gilda. And I was like, damn, I would love to go to that shit so bad. But like, I don't got the money and all this shit. And I was like, I hit up Saba. I was like, yo, Saba, um, yo, let me rip your skates at Summer Clash. Now, Raskilda, I'll get some clips. I'll do some stuff and split, just split my ticket with me to go over there. And they were like, all right, cool. Ticket was like 1400 bucks. They threw in 700 And I was like, no way that worked. <laughs> and like, I, I mean, like, that is such a great way of using your clout to benefit you in later life it's like i'm no longer pro but i'm going to use my name to get me something like that's I, I, why I, not i, I, I kind of did it i kind of did because i was like i just you know like when you go from like that pro-life traveling and all that stuff seeing all your friends at all these events and then you just like you know i think at the time i was i was a cook and uh and i was still skating all the time but i was just a cook and then maybe a bike messenger you know, you look on your phone on Instagram, you get you get what they call FOMO. You know, you, yeah. get, you, you fear missing out on all those stuff. Yeah, because you, you were traveling all over the world and then it just yeah. ground to a halt. And you're like, well, wait a minute. I still want to do that. So, yeah, exactly. And then like, so, and I was also making like a, a wage where I like, I couldn't like, just like go ahead and buy a $1,400 ticket. And um, so I just heard Daffic and uh, Mark Moreno was going and like a lot of like the some friends from the States. And I was like, ah, oh, man, I want to. So I like, I was just racking my brain on how to do it. I just fired a shot at Sabre and they were like, yeah, cool. And I was like, let's go. And I love the skates, the great skates. And uh, this, it's funny because this is what happened. I'll tell you like a little, I don't know. Um, this is maybe a bit, bit dramatic, but 
Uh, so did the summer clash. We skated, we skated, we skated. I went to a Roskilde and that was like a heavy, you know, how Roskilde is, uh, it's like a heavy drinking. It's a lot, and it's a lot of partying. Yeah. It's a lot. And then when I was done with that, cause I had FOMO for a while. And then when I did that at the end of that, I think probably cause of Roskilde, I was like, okay, I'm done. Like with these tours, I don't want it anymore. Like, you know, like I've, I missed it. I'm back here. It's too much for me now. And I'm cool. So I just like the same as that I skated with the whole tour, just gave him some kid, flew back home. <laughs> that was it. So it was like a yeah. little representative, like leave the skates. All right, go back home. I don't know if that's a bit dramatic or a bit. I, I don't think it is. I think yeah. it's very kind of telling of just going into a different stage in your life. Cause at that point you'd settled down in New York, you're with your partner, you were used to your home comforts and you know, just you know having your place and having your quiet life with your girl and then you go you get thrust back into the kind of pro skater lifestyle for like just to dip your toe back in you're like oh yeah. wait a minute I, I missed the idea of it i missed i missed the memories of doing this the reality is no longer right for where i am in my life that's that, i think that's perfectly normal thinking to have it's not as sexy waking up on the floor drunk in your 30s as it is when you're like 22 yeah you know yeah yeah, so. yeah. I would say that's fair enough. Um, So, yeah, we kind of touched on you having a bunch of sponsors throughout your time, but USD was kind of the mainstay. That was who you were with the longest. You had two skates during your career with them, and then obviously they gave you the Aeon afterwards. I've always been curious, what's what's the most you've ever made from USD? Like, what did you ever make good money in royalties or because? It was pretty good. It was pretty good. so like the, the when they first asked me, they asked me 800 a month. And then we got up to a point where it was like a grand. And then Demetrius came on and he was like, I don't know what it is about Demetrius. He is like the, he has the gift of gab, like anything. He could just extract things from people. And he <laughs> okay. was, I don't know what it is about him, but he was just, uh, he was like, okay, Billy, so this is what I'm going to do. I'm pushing for the pro team. Me, you, the Kelsos and Dominic. And just us, and I'm going to make sure we get a good payment, but we got to work hard and, you know, we're going to travel a bunch and skate. I was like, let's go. Let's do it. I'm doing so that anyway. Yeah, just give me the money. <laughs> he basically got all of us uh, $1,800 a month. And then he got himself, because he was team manager, another five. So he's like getting 23. Ooh, good for him, huh? Yeah, so, why so, not? Why not? He got it for us. If he, has to, if he has to deal with all your shit, yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, he really, yeah. I get, Yeah, and okay. So... So we were getting 18, but at the time I was also uh, getting a few hundred from Create as like owner and rider. And then I was getting like a couple, maybe 150 from Street Art. And then like everything was like 2,300 bucks a month. And I lived in the city of Manhattan and my rent was like 800, which is like a really sick deal. Yeah. And um, with the bills, everything was like nine, you know. And then, so like, it was enough to scrape. I would like do side work, like construction when I could. Some picked up or go help my friend with his moving company for extra bucks if I was going on tour, go like work for a week and stuff. But yeah, it was, it was, I could pay the rent and I could, you know, get enough food to get through. That was the highlight. Yeah. Until you started getting hit by cars in Barcelona and having to take a year off. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was something too. That was that is the most 
that's such a traumatic thing to catch on video. Mm-hmm. And I know, thankfully, you don't see it. Thank well, you see enough to know mm-hmm. what happens. But mm-hmm. that is, yeah, that's up there. <laughs> Vinny originally like uh, put like out like the first thing he put out was like you just see me get hit, and then it fades to black, and then he's going to the street. It's like oh my god, and it's blinking like in and out of of uh, from, like a black screen to like what's happening. And then he cuts it off. And then that was the first thing he posted. And everyone was like, right. And like, fuck you, Vinny. Like, what the hell happened? <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This, this isn't a joke. Like, tell us what happened. <laughs> like, and the video was like, oh, shit. Like, yeah, to like take it down and clear it up. And I think that was probably like maybe because Vinny's such a lovable and like the best guy ever. I think that was my, maybe one of the only times Vinny ever got any shit from anything. But uh, it, it cleared up pretty fast. But, yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, that must have been quite intense. Like being on all these teams you were in you're in williamsburg at the time is that right um when when was it a broken ankle you had when you get hit by the car or oh when i got hit by the car i was in bay ridge brooklyn and um wait so in spain right when i hit that that injury yeah no it wasn't a broken ankle i had like uh ligament damage on both ankles and one of them i needed a surgery because there's a thing called the sheath which covers the ball of your ankle and above that, the ligaments are like pulleys. So the sheath basically holds the ball of your ankle in place. I completely ripped that off. So if I took like a wrong step, the ball of my ankle would end up like at the back of my foot, like by where my Achilles is. And it would just cause a tremendous amount of pain. So that had to be repaired. So it was a longer process of recovery than a break, which would have been like easier. This was like, uh, you know, months of not walking, followed by a surgery, followed by like months of not walking, not sure if I would ever skate again. And then like, barely able to skate and it, you know, not sure if I could do it again. And you, yeah, it was weird. That's what I was going to ask is that must've been quite a lot on your kind of mental health being stuck in this flat. That's obviously incredibly expensive to pay rent mm-hmm. for having all these sponsors being like, am I going to lose all my sponsors? Cause that wasn't a time where it was like, create content, create content, like, you know, have the ad. Cause that was when roller news and all that was in full flow. And it was like, it was changing from full length videos to online edits. And it was like, and a lot of pros at the time were having a hard time coming to terms with that. I remember the mm-hmm. Kelsos being really against online edits mm-hmm. and Adam Johnson as well being like, fuck this. It's all about full length mm-hmm. videos. Right. Why are we selling ourselves short just to appear mm-hmm. on a roller news feed? That must've been really tough being like, Oh God, I'm going to get forgot here. Like they're going to get a new guy. They're going to turn him pro. Like what's, what's going to happen. Am I going to come back? I'm going to be to skate the way I could skate before. Like there, there must've been a lot going through your head at that time. Yeah, that that was like that that year was like it was one of specifically one of the remember like one of the tougher years. It was uh, 2008, February 13th is when I got hit, and then like uh, a lot was going on that year. Like uh, you know, because I kind of wasn't able to skate or visit anyone, I lost complete contact with people. me and my girlfriend broke up like like a month later. She was cheating on me with one of my best friends. It's crazy. So I went into like this really bad uh, like depression and I couldn't skate, couldn't do anything. And again, like, you know, you're in the mix and then like you lose complete contact with people. So I was in like a very lonely place. I had like one roommate who was a really good friend of mine uh, who was there for me. And but I couldn't leave. I couldn't leave because I had like. I, for like three months, I had light casts on. And then after the surgery, I had like another three months. So I was just doing freaking pull-ups every day. I was just doing like seriously 50. I would wake up and just do like 50 straight and then just do like 40, 30, 20, 10. I was like on some like 
really highly energetic, but I couldn't do anything with my legs. And I was practicing drums again and stuff like that. And um, was this when you lived with j -Ro? Is that right? Um, no, it's I lived in Brooklyn with my buddy Richie. And uh, then I moved back to Staten Island with my buddy Gary, who, right. uh, yeah, so my buddy Gary. And um, yeah, so I was just like basically, yeah, pretty alone during that time. Like, you know, you're not in the mix. Like you're, everyone's loving you. Like, yo, 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 yo. And then like you don't hear from anyone, which was – a thing and you know i wasn't sure if i was going to be able to skate again so i don't know like skating was such a big part of my life for so long and like i always it was plan a with no plan b like forever i was just like i'm gonna skate i'm gonna be pro i'm gonna do i want to do a wheel company i'm gonna freaking throw contests i'm gonna own a skate company and then this is gonna be my life this is my life this is what i'm gonna do so i i just had tunnel vision on on this whole thing which is what i've always wanted to do um so during that time was uh the recovery was really tough. The doctor said, I'm not sure if you're going to be able to skate in the same way. Hopefully we could just get you like riding bikes and maybe skating around again. And through this whole time, Matias was paying me. And so I'll always remember that Matias for that. He like, he paid me my monthly still. And I was actually really lucky because it was right around the time of my pro skate release. So I was getting extra on top of my monthly from my royalty from the skate. And these are the things that were able to like help me get through. And um, me and the delivery guy were like best friends because I couldn't like go out and go shopping and I wouldn't want to bother people to do it for me. So like, I'm just delivery all the time. So I was just living in this kind of really weird way, but then it got, so I started skating again, but I wasn't sure if I could skate like I was, blah, blah, and I started feeling okay. This is like 11 months after my injury and I got hit in February and this is like November, December. I'm starting to kind of skate again. And then I'm like starting to like, I'd skate. I wouldn't be able to walk for like three days. And then like, I had pins in my ankle and all this other stuff and they're still there. And basically I was like, I think I could maybe skate. And then Matias like, all right, we're at the point where we need to see something from you. You know, you, we've paid you for a year. <laughs> and he's like, we're at the point we need to see something from you. So I was like, I can skate, I can do it. So he's like, okay, I'm going to send over Maddie walkie to your place in Brooklyn. And then you could film some shit. And I was like, I don't even know if I can skate. I don't even know if I could. And then, we just did it and it came out okay. And he was happy with it. And then I just went on like the upward thing from there. And then just to kind of flood in and get everyone who I was not in contact with before to like be come back and be like, yeah, supporting me and stuff. It was, you know, just made me want to continue to do it. I don't know. So that was when you released the skate and the, that was when you released the edit in the gold Dominic Sigonas when you're doing like the 360 top soles and like the, the stair gaps and stuff like that. Right. And the yep. curved ledge, curved ledge mm -hmm. thing. That, that's the spot. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when, so you're, it basically kind of sounds like everyone just bailed and forgot about you. Did that not like make you feel horrible being like, Oh, I thought I had all these friends and we were really close and now no one's in touch. Yeah, I'm, I, I went through I went through some things like that, but like that's what I'm saying. Like that's why that year, you know, some of the, you know, as you know, and as everyone who has lived knows that like some of those things that you go through that are hard end up being the best things for you, for like, um, in terms of perspective. So like, I did like Frank I, Franco lived like three blocks from me. He would visit every now and then and check check in on me. Uh, the people who did check in on me, I remember, um, and. I also understood why the everyone else was because I was that too. I am yeah, because you're just you. It's not you don't mean to. You're just yeah, busy or you're no. I, I, you're I chasing your dream, and so you don't have time to. Yeah, I get there's it. no resentment. You know, it, it is either you're there or you're not. And I just wanted to be there again. And I didn't judge anyone. I like, I got it. 
I was totally like, you know, in like a, in like not the best place, but like, I was like, it made me focus on wanting to be the best me I could in that way again. So I was just like, again, doing pull-ups <laughs> like I was drumming. I was getting stoked to get back into music. I'm going to become ankle... a beast. I'm going <laughs> to come back. I'm going to have a six pack. These guys are going to be jealous. <laughs> yeah. No, I was, I, I had a lot of uh, motivation and I wanted to get back into, you know, before skating, I used to be a drummer. And when I discovered, like, I think I discovered like uh, in, I, I discovered like girls skating and like, and marijuana right around the same time. And so that's, that's a lethal combination. Yeah. For, uh, and in that time I left everything behind. I used to play baseball at school. I used to play in band at school. I used to play in a band and I was just like, this is everything now. So the injury brought me back to, to playing music again because I couldn't do anything with my legs. So I was like, Oh, let me mess around my hands again and play stuff. And I was able to like, you know, understand reading sheet music and stuff like that. And I was like, why have I, why didn't I neglect this? So it like brought me back into music, which was cool. And other things. And it made me also realize not to put everything on skating. It was a good, it was, it was, it was good. It, I think it, like, I wouldn't take it back. It was like, it was a really good learning experience for me and it was perfect. And I was really motivated to come back after that. And it was, it was good. I mean, it sucked at the time, but you know, yeah. the the best that like, you don't go through that stuff. You're just like naive. Like, so you got to go through those things. It's kind of like the coronavirus effect. Like it just made everyone stop and take a look around and like reevaluate their lives. Cause it's like, oh, well you can't do anything, go anywhere anymore. So now you just have to kind of be alone with your thoughts and, you know, decide what's important for you. Cause most people, you know, waste their lives going to, you know, bars or, you know, shop like shopping malls or doing whatever stuff people do. And then when that's no longer an option, you kind of start thinking about what's important or what means something to you. So it sounds like that was, kind of you had a like self well not self-imposed like injury imposed exile from what you wanted to do for a while yeah uh, like and exactly what you're saying with the coronavirus virus effect i think we're all we're often on like uh all of us just by way of society and how it is we're often on or just maybe human nature we're just often on autopilot it's just you know wake up do what you got to do it's a routine and there are not re many reflective moments because life doesn't really afford those opportunities all the time or you just don't have the awareness to do that i think the coronavirus was a collective reflective moment where we all like had our own ways how to reflect on like everything um but that but my injury was a personal reflective moment like we all have and stuff like that so it wasn't unique at all but yeah those moments where you sit back and Cause you're moving so fast all the time, especially as like a New Yorker where you're just like, Oh, I gotta, yeah, I gotta, like, yeah. gotta do this. You gotta do that. It's always about what you gotta do. And it's not about like, uh, like thinking about what you're doing half the time. And then that, I think those things are important. You know, some, some people find it through psychedelic use. Some people find it through uh traumatic life experience. Some people find it through, you know, them just your whole everyday function and routine just being brought to a halt and then just having to be like, well, what now? So yeah. It's important. And is it the start? I can't remember what section it is. Is it in the truth too, where you've got the clips at the start, like being at home with, with the ankle brace <laughs> on? That was one hundred percent faked, wasn't it? That was that oh, was for sure. That was way after you'd started skating sure. again, and they just did that for dramatic effect because the kelsos no. the kelsos are a thing for being dramatic. No, that was my stupid, perhaps narcissistic concept. Right, okay. <laughs> be because the and the re and they kind of went along with it, which I'm sure they look back on it and be like, "Stupid ass fish, why did we do that?" But <laughs> I think the the reason why is because the reason why I wanted to do that 
was kind of explained because the truth video came out and truth one came out after one year or like we're doing the truth two next year. So during that year I was injured and they said they pushed it back for multiple reasons. But one of the reasons was they wanted me to have a part in it. So it came, that one came out and it, and they had like a ton of footage already, which is why Colin had like uh, such a, so many yeah, parts. Like he had a like double two, section. Yeah. He had a double section in that. And a lot of people had a lot of tricks um, because like I came in filming for that late. And so toward the end, like it was trying to focus on me getting it done. So that kind of concept was my way of like explaining with the month to month why we uh, delayed the video. I, I think it came off a little cheesy, but you know, I don't know. I thought, ah. I thought it was quite a, no, but it was. A, I think it was quite a cool narrative because yeah. it does give you an idea of just how you can go from going at 100 miles an hour to just everything stops. Yeah, and then trying to resume and that section. Holy shit! Like that five at the end of that. I don't even know what the hell that is. It's mm. clearly under a motorway. That was massive. Thanks, man. So, and I think that may be one of my one of my favorite sections here is the Truth Two section. Yeah. Also, Thanks, it was kind of like the first time that we saw like the new Billy as well. It was the first time we saw like the new the new rock and roll Billy. We're like, um, did you have mm -hmm. tattoos then? I don't know if you had tattoos, but you'd start you'd you definitely improved your wardrobe vastly. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> I loved I loved your ego section. Loved freestyle rolling, but holy shit, you used to dress like a homeless person. Like, you know, it's funny, man. Um, and and J JP's working on some stuff now that my, my friend Dave has footage from when I was uh, like a kid, like 12 or 13. Um, and I dressed like an absolute homeless person because we were broke. <laughs> like, you know, and I was so embarrassed. Like, he was like sending me the footage. I was like, oh, look, I'm like, I'm dressed like, a hey, hey, go lay down. Could you go lay down? I'm sorry, my dog. Hey, go lay down. Go, go, go. Thanks. I'm sorry about that. If it's Bella, um, it's fine because I'm a massive fan of Staffies. So if it's, be that's if it's Bella, be yeah, that's, that's she's, fine then. That's okay. Yeah. Okay, we'll let that go. Um, I'm sorry. Where were we? Uh, yeah, the the um, the interesting wardrobe choices you had. Okay, you had for okay. A while. So so, so all growing up, um, I had crappy clothes, and I was like, so like in school and even into my early teens and stuff like that. Um, and like when we would go hang out with girls, like my friends would be like, yo, I got some pants for you. You know, I got, I got some clothes for you. And I was like, all right, cool. Uh, thanks. And I would do that to go hang out with girls. When I got older, I like, I was like, I'm a skater, you know, I'm like, we gotta, I'm going to dress in like Dustin Latimer and the, like which the baggy clothes and stuff like that. After my, I got hit by the car or just around, maybe just around even before that time, uh, because a lot of the skater friends left and I was had a lot of distance from them, the skater friends, um, I was hanging out with my Staten Island friends more, my friends from the neighborhood, you know, they didn't skate and they just wanted to go to bars and talk to girls, you know? So my buddy Gary would always be like, yo, don't, don't with the, don't like here, like here's like some of my clothes, like, you know, you're embarrassing us here. We're not going to get girls. If you're dressed like this, give it a right, rest straight up. So, so he'd be like, he'd be like, yo, yo, keep these. And then whatever. And then we, I ended up like go out shop with him. I'd be like, Oh, like, and I, I wear some like tighter clothes or some like better fitting pants. And then what do you know, the girls are more responsive, right? So I was like, you know what? I'm going to stick to this. Like, this is working for me a little bit more. So it, it wasn't like a result of like, oh, wait, blading is going in a tighter pants direction. I was like, because, you know, it was just a result of like me going out to like bars, dressing different and like me being able to like uh, be more successful in talking to girls. So that that was kind of the 
And then when I came back into skating, I'd already been like not with skaters for like a year. Like, you know, with just basically hanging out with my Staten Island friends, limping around at bars. That's that's so funny. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was like, that that was that that was where I was conflicted with my with my appreciation for your skating because I hated that phase in rollerblading because I started yeah. like, I started in like 96, I think. Mm-hmm. And it was all like baggy jeans. And I'm like, yeah, I'm cool with baggy jeans. That's fine. It's like alternative and different. And then when everyone started wearing sweatpants, I was like, everyone just looks like trash bags little fake white wrappers and i'm like this is the and they've all got their ass hanging out and i was like so all my friends would make fun of me for just wearing jeans and they'd be like oh you need to get yourself some fiction fiction like joggers and i was like these fucking you look dumb like you look dumb (laughs) and we go to bars afterwards and like i would get attention from girls and people would be like who's your you knew early you knew early who's your homeless buddy (laughs) and i'm like yeah like they're like do you know them yeah you're like no i don't i'm like they're 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 just they're good guys they're good guys and they're like why why are all their clothes baggy and ripped and dirty and like what's good i'm like i don't know i don't know yeah um, i think I, because i was so immersed in blade culture like i was pretty much disconnected from all the other aspects of life because it was so everything to me and i think i can speak for a lot of us when i say that but uh then again again like that that uh that car accident forced me out of it and then i was it had to like learn how to socialize and function on other levels which is why that and that ended up being beneficial you know okay so obviously the truth section came out when did you get the call i know how much of a dl fan you are so like i know mind game must have been a really big deal to like mind game is a big deal to everyone of that era what what happened for you to get on the team did you get a phone call or how did how did that transpire yeah, because uh, you were one of the last people to go pro for main game. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I didn't, I never thought about it like that. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, which is sad, but um, yeah, I got a call from Shane. I think sometime after was it Ego? Yeah, and he was just like, "Hey, Billy, you know." Um, I was like, "Oh, this is cool," and he's like, "Hey, I was thinking about you skate for mind game. I was already pro for Eulogy," and he was like, "Um, so." We want you on mind game, but uh, nobody goes like straight to pro. So like we would have you come on AM if the team agreed to it. He, I'd have to check with the team. It has to be a unanimous vote for you to be on mind game. If one person says no, you're not on. As we talked about on Mike Johnson's episode, yeah. he, that he got uh, pushed to be pro. Someone said no. I don't know who. And uh, I'm curious to know. But um we could find so that's out. so that's us, how it is we could find maybe we out. can find out i think i will do some uh <laughs> i will do some reconnaissance on that but um so he said so but that would be the thing you would come on am and we would in like a few months try to get you on pro so i thought about it i called him back a week later and i said thanks but no thanks i'm not gonna leave a pro position where i have a pro wheel and i'm getting a monthly to go skate am for any company even if it is mind game so thank you very much and then he said oh sorry we couldn't do anything whatever blah, blah, blah. okay cool calls you back like a week later he's like listen i think i want to try to push you to go straight to pro you know uh, he's like would you be down for that i said fuck yeah <laughs> and then he's like all right let me uh he's like i'm gonna ask the team so he asked the team and he's like, everyone has to say yes. So it's not a yes yet. I'm going to push for it. I said, okay. So two weeks later, he hit me back. He said, everyone said yes. I just haven't heard back from Aaron yet. And then I said, okay. He's like, so we're just waiting on Aaron. <laughs> so he told me actually. And then like uh, uh, maybe a few days had passed. And then he's like, you're on. And I was like, dope. So I got an email from everyone on the team. 
Oh, Which was, it's a good thing you got on because otherwise Aaron was w- about to I get punched known. the fuck out. You ruined my dream. You took my yeah. dream from me. You're getting yeah. beat up. <laughs> yeah, I, I would have been sad, but, you know, I would have just, it would have pushed me harder, you know. But yeah, yeah um, I would have been like, I'll show you kind of thing. But uh, also, so... surely you knew Aaron at that point through USD, no? Or do you guys not ever come in contact? Yeah, no, we did. But Aaron, like, especially at the time, was like a hard guy to know. You know, he was like a hard guy to be friendly with. He was a bit reserved at the time. We got closer over mind game and over time right. through just like uh, just how and like some other people like in Eskin. We just got closer. But at the time, like him, people like Shima were very reserved. It, it, you know, you wanted to be their well, friends, but they I mean, didn't want to be your friend. They were basically <laughs> superstars and earning a lot of money. So it it would have been very easy for ego and you know distancing themselves from the riffraff essentially yeah i, yeah. I get it yeah sure so like I, I didn't and uh and that's whatever but they basically said yeah you're on i got an email from everyone uh welcoming welcoming me welcoming me onto the team dl sent me a an email which i thought was super cool and he said if we had j- drinks then cheers welcome to the team and i was like very cool farmer aragon aaron they all sent me messages welcoming me on it felt very cool i they gave me a there was like a, a pro team like windbreaker kind of thing like here the, like the, it was like was it like the sports jacket thing the yeah the, it's like a like tracksuit top it's like a tracksuit thing yeah it's a yeah. tracksuit thing okay and uh, i was like oh, okay cool um tell me you kept that you better have no, I, I lost that oh i lost everything i own barely anything <laughs> that would but you, yeah. you, you could have got a mortgage on a house off of that now like, you think so oh man because think about uh, all the guys in their mid-30s to 40s that were like mega fanboys yeah like some guy made several thousand pounds off a set of cosmo wheels a brand new set of cosmo wheels like scott crawford yeah. paid to go to blade and cup off a set of co- what would you have got for an exclusive main uh, game team jacket you know who like <laughs> You know who definitely has all this stuff? Farmer. Farmer. Farmer's he, he, good. He, he yeah. is a very collected person. I lost everything from living on tour for years. I just like, I, it's probably in someone's uh, floor in France somewhere, that mind game thing. So yeah. if you have it, sell it, man. Um, but uh, so yeah, that and that was a really cool experience. Um, I skated with Aaron a few days. Aaron filmed some of my tricks. I skated with Dustin a couple of times. We, um, at the premiere of the video, I got a good response from Dustin, which was probably the greatest thing that I could have ever, you know, and I wasn't even particularly happy with my section because um, a lot of my favorite tricks were in the intro and in the outro. And I was like, damn it. I wish they were my part because like, they were some of my favorite tricks and they're just basically the way the internet works now. They're like gone into obscurity. And um, I really wanted them to be a part of my parts. Like the former mind game videos were just all the tricks were in the parts. Um, So I was actually a little bummed about my part. But I still got like a lot of good feedback from DL. DL showed me a lot of love. I bought me a drink or some shit. And I was like, uh, I have achieved the acceptance of the person who I wanted to achieve acceptance from, which actually meant That's something I mean, to yeah. me. Yeah. And um, I felt good. That was, yeah, it was a good feeling. I was really like we were talked about with Ben on episode 90 of Jump Street Podcast. Shout out Jump Street Podcast. Shout out Wheel Scene. But we talked about it don't, like when don't we do got your the... spiel on my show. There's no spiels <laughs> on platform. There's no spiels. Bro, I'll do the spieling. This Yo, is a spiel free zone. Yo, guys, like and subscribe, Wheel Scene. Let's go ahead and hit the notification bell. There's never but, been um, one of those on this yet. And you've, yo, I you've brought just it. ruined okay. it. You've spoiled I'm happy. It, right? I'm happy. I'm the first to do it. But uh, yeah, 
Um, so Ben and I were talking about on that last show that it was really sad when we got the call that Mind Game uh, ended. The doors were closed. I'm sure it was even more sad for Don and Ben who were hoping to get that pro wheel and stuff down the line. So that's yeah. what I was going to say. I was going to say you got really unlucky, but at least you got a wheel. Like Don, yeah. Don was like on three wheels. Mind, Don was on Mind Game for a lo- like quite yeah. a long time, and yet got ru- even had a pro wheel designed. It just never came out. Yeah, like that's got to hurt. Um, I know he was. I'm. I know for a fact he was not happy about that. Yeah. Yeah. And I know he had a little resentment toward me on that too, for sure. So yeah. Like, and I think I actually maybe even some of the people from that crew, including AJ, had a little resentment toward me about all that stuff because they were such good friends. Uh, so yeah, yeah. And Jeremy you- Morris t- told me straight up. Jeremy Morris said, "You're gonna skate for Mind Game." He's like, "I just don't see you as Mind Game material." And I was Ouch. like, "Yeah, hey." Shout out Jeremy Morris. He's the man. All right. But then you went on tour with him because you went on tour for the charging. Was it not charging? Yep. You're in the van. Mm-hmm. So there clearly it couldn't have been that much bad blood between you and AJ and Don because you were traveling with them. No, I mean, it's weird. There's like these little things within the things like that could, so, right, that so could the, happen. They yeah. weren't being harsh with you. They were just being blunt. They were just like letting it. Oh, this is how we feel. We still like you, but this is how we feel. Yeah, I was in a circle of friends, but not like I don't think the inner circle. Like, and I don't think like AJ was being as particularly vocal about it as he was being supportive of Don. And I don't think Don was really going on about it like a completely resentful thing, as he was much like, "Are you freaking kidding me?" And it not being cool. So I didn't take it. I understood. I don't take it personal, and I don't think Don was particularly bent out of shape against me about it. But I know he wasn't happy. Yeah, and, that, and that's it. Angry with the situation. Like he'd been in several mind game videos. Like most like every other person he'd been in the videos with had a yeah. pro wheel. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually want to tell you a funny story and I don't know if it's in your line of questioning, but I think it would be good to tell because um, it, it could, it could maybe explain a little bit of my relationship with AJ. Uh, so um, I'm sorry. Core. Babe. My dog scratched at the back door. Um, whatever. Um so we're talking about filming for Ego, um, the gap to rail that I gap to TTP. I'm he sorry, lost. That was scratching. Is that so, film where he lost the footage, or he he just he? Oh he no, wrecked, that's he wrecked the footage, and you had to do it again. Is yeah, but then they one? lost that too. Yeah, but no, but no, this is different. This is the gap to TTP on on the rail, um, that like um, Aragon gap to True Savannah in Atlanta. Yeah. Okay, so I get on tour. I have zero clips, like Dre. Murda and Aragon have like 60 or 70 clips for Ego. And I have zero. And I have like two weeks or something to film. Two and a half weeks, something like that. Um, I'm, I saw a clip of Julian gap to topsole that rail. And I was like, oh, man, it would be cool to gap to TTP that rail. And Aragon was like, have you been there? It's pretty big. And I was like, mm, I still think I can do it. And he's like, you won't do that. And I was like, I think so. Let's go tomorrow. And he's like, all right, cool. Uh, let's go. So I go right when I'm putting my skates on. Aragon's already gapping to Royale. And I'm like, what? What's going on? So I put my skates on and I just like gapped to Fishbrain. It was like first trick for some reason, just because I was really competitive or something. I wanted to do a better trick. Kind of came out really ugly as in the intro of the video. And then he's trying to gap True Savannah. So then I'm trying to gap to True Top Hornet. So he lands his gap True Savannah and then I land my gap True Top Horn. I don't mean to put AJ on blast, but he pulls. Aragon to the side and he's like, yo, gap true royale it. And then I was like, 
hey, if you do that, I'm going to 360 soul it. (laughs) (laughs) And then Aragon was like, oh, no, it's cool, man. I'm good, AJ. And I was like, yeah, I'm good, too. And um, did someone hurricane it or have I imagined this? Maybe I've imagined this. Maybe I'm thinking of Julian. Scott Razor have kept top sold it. Maybe I'm just thinking of Julian doing the top sold. Gumby gap to front side torque it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Plus, that was at a time when AJ was really like was really kind of Aragon obsessed and was really. But that that's kind of my point. Like, and and I'm not I'm not crapping on AJ, but there's like an inner circle, and then there's the outer circle. Yeah. You know, I think that in that time, like though that's like the inner circle. You know, and he, he wants me to get my clips, but he's it's the you know what I mean? Yeah, and like I, it's not it's nothing personal so, against you. He's just got I, he's got other people that are his priority or like he wants to, you know, look out for. It's not yeah, it's not anything against no, you. It's just no. yeah. And I, I got I got my own inner circle and you know, it's all good and we I still got love and I don't take it personal, but it, it's just it's funny. I don't I feel like I'm not shitting on anyone. Yeah, I don't like yeah, I don't think that's a particularly horrible yeah, story. I don't think so yeah. either, yeah. Um, you, ben talked about it in Jump Street. He talked about, you know, getting taken aside or getting taken by Shane and Shane telling him why Mind Game was ending. And I found it really interesting because Shane Coburn did an interview with Kevin Yee literally a year after Mind Game stopped and gave a completely different reason for the end of the company. He said that the reason Mind Game stopped is because it became too much of a brand and it didn't sit well with him and he didn't like it. And I watched it. And the entire time watching it, even at the time before I had anything to do with the rollerblading industry, I was like, that's bullshit. This is 100% bullshit. You're telling me you're going to walk away from a really successful company that's making loads of money because it's become too much of a brand. I was like, that's not this, the reason here. There's obviously something wrong. Sales have obviously dwindled or it's become unsustainable as a business. No one walks away from a successful business. No one does. Oh, you're, you're earning money and paying bills and saving money. Like, no. They don't. But, it does, but, but it doesn't suit your artistic... Uh, yeah, yeah oh, no. oh, oh, but it, it, it pains my creative soul. Sure. No, that's, that's, that's lies. Yeah, that sounds like, that sounds like bullshit to me too. <laughs> um, I, didn't, I didn't catch that podcast with Shane, but mm, Shane's a very calculated speaker. You know, he's very premeditated. He's very smart. Um, I, I felt like that was just he's a cunning. Roma- yeah, I felt like it was a romanticized story that he wanted bladers to have that memory of him being like. Oh, he's, he's a romantic guy. Yeah, you know, he's, he's he's the yeah. ultimate anti-corporate. He became too corporate, so he stepped away. And it was like, no, like they used the the basic imagery for a reason because it's going to stick in your head. It's like the ultimate marketing tool. Like, yeah, he knew he couldn't go incredible marketer, one of the yeah. best. Him, yeah. Like he learned from working at Senate that he couldn't go with a similar thing because then people would be like, oh, it's a shitty rip off Senate. So he went the opposite direction and made it as plain as possible. Like that, like it, yeah, anyone can see that. So then turning yeah. around and going, oh, I don't like that it became, you know, so iconic. That That's not true. Yeah. That's no, I mean, I, start. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't. Yeah, that sounds like complete bullshit to me. <laughs> right. But what, what was, he obviously phoned you or, contacted you to tell you that it was over what like what did he say to you he called me and he said um so i wanted to let you know i'm closing the doors at mind game um you know it's whatever just um other things in life i just feel he didn't he didn't like refer to anything about the money or anything like that he was just like 
yeah, you know, closing the doors and wanting to pursue other things. I've been in the skating thing for a long time, medium, all that, and just wanting to, and I wish you the best. I think you'll be successful no matter what you do, Billy. Bah, 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 bah. He's very kind, very thoughtful. And I said, Shane, it's been an honor to skate for your company. Thank you so much for including me. And that was it. And I haven't spoken to him since. That had to sting though, because I know, like you've mentioned it in various, you know, terms throughout the years, like how much of an impact Dustin had on you. That must have felt like you're like, I've made it. I'm on the team. I'm on the pro team. I've got a wheel alongside like one of my idols growing up. He considers me, you know, one of his colleagues, one of his equals now. And now it's done. Now it's all, it's gone. It, since I've got it, it's gone. Like that must have, that must have hurt. Yeah. I mean, there's been a plethora of um, morale uh, blows throughout for all skaters throughout the industry, you know. I mean, what hurt me more than that, to be honest, was when I, you know, heard, you know, Dustin wasn't a part of Shadow anymore and Dustin was like working, having a, having trouble getting back into regular working life. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, that and many other things like hurt the morale of skating. So that was just one of the many. Um, it wasn't anything like... I really don't think it was anything like there were bigger ones for me that like that, like were, but there, I think we've all felt that. And there, there was the generally, which I was talking to Ben about this, not on the podcast, but after um, just like, it was, we're all like kind of came off like in like this battered, like coming out of like a battered relationship or something like you just like the overall morale is down. And it's like, uh, you know, Anthony talked about, insecure rollerbladers on on the podcast too and I, I think that was his point like it's just because we're just like oh we're just, you know we there's there wasn't for a long time a sense of pride just because of how society in general and and we're just losing our guys and we're our girls and you know some of our our best and our best companies and and we just got gotten used to losing and like being in a place where you just get used to losing and it is just like it's really not good like for for your and we had a collective, like shared, like kind of uh, thing that, I, yeah, I just don't think it was good. And morale goes a long way. And just like, even like these days, I think one of the things that like is really pulling it around is just because more people are just having more confidence in who they are as skaters. Like the morale is generally better. And it's like, wow, it's really something like how far belief can go. Like if you're doing it and you don't even believe in your shit, how can anyone else like you need to do it first? And then and that goes back to your point about the guy saying, I'm going to win this. Like if you don't think you can do it, no, how is anyone else going to do it? So, so you got to have that. And um, yeah, I see that like I've, I see it kind of flip flop now um, a bit, which is making me excited. Sorry, I feel like I kind of had to pull that back to a positive place. But yeah, sorry. Right. Yeah. Um, I get it. And I do. I think that's true as well. Now, I think there's a renewed sense of optimism. And I think a lot of that comes from companies like them just emerging from nothing. Like Julio didn't start that with any money. He started that with the community's money. So the community feels like they have a certain sense of ownership over it almost because without their crowdfunded money, it would never have started. And now look what he's done with it and made the yeah. positive steps he's made and given pro skates to people that 
probably would have not got pro skates if Julio hadn't picked them up. You know, people like Sean Darst, who was an incredible talent that was just kind of like was languishing. He was kind of underappreciated. And now Danny Beer, another underappreciated skater that's been around for years, that's Mm -hmm. had the talent, but just never really had a proper home. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, I think there there are senses like that. And then there's companies coming up, like offering more royalties to skaters, being more transparent. Mm-hmm. And I think the transparency is going a long way because people are like, well, if I buy this, that person gets five bucks. That's great. Mm-hmm. If I buy this, that person gets $30. Whereas before, mm-hmm. you know, you could buy a pro skate and think you were supporting that skater and they'd get like $2. And you're mm-hmm. like, well, where's the rest of the profit going? Because there's like a hundred and you know, $50, $160 profit here. And they're, they're not seeing it. And I'm not trying to be a jerk and I'm, and I should be impartial as someone who's present trying to be a host in this world, but it goes back to the, to the razor's point, you know, uh, you got to hold these companies to some sort of account. You know, you see companies stepping up the royalty game, stepping up, taking care of, uh, their pros. Uh, you know, I heard, I heard, uh, Matias has stepped up in his, or has been taking. He has, yeah. I've you know, spoken to writers. He has been for a they're, while. They're like, going to increase he, the royalties, he, yeah. And and everyone's kind of stepping up as a result. So if companies don't do that, it's up to the riders to tell them they need to step it up. If they don't, these right, I don't. You look, you know, you you get what you, you know, what you say you deserve and what the industry standard says, and so be careful where you put your money. <laughs> It's interesting that you mentioned razors because ah. <laughs> you said that, right? And I'm not, I'm not, I, to be honest, I never really wanted to shit on razors with a podcast, unfortunately, yeah, just yeah, the people yeah. we got on it had negative experiences, but you... Look, listen, if a Derek Henderson skate comes out, buy them all. Just make sure he's they freaking... They did. It sold, it sold out in like no, record exactly. time. And... I, just, I, I would just hope for, for, for all parties involved that, you know, everyone that... I'm, 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 the, I'm for the skater. I'm pro skater. That's all I'm going to say. Like, I I just want to make sure skaters are getting taken care of. But there's a contradiction there because you've said that you didn't believe Razors looked out for skaters' best interest or the skating industry's best interest. But last year you were skating Razor skates. I mean, you skated Razor skates exclusively in duo. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're sending out a mixed message to people that admire you because then they're like, oh, well, Billy doesn't like Razors. I think they're good for the industry, but he's you know, he's representing their brand and making them look good. <laughs> Damn, you got me there, buddy. <laughs> no, you know what it is? Um, I just, uh, when I got to a point, like, uh, yeah, I, um, how do I put this? Okay. I've been skating the 909s. They're awesome. I love them. Uh, before that, I was skating the 908s couldn't skate them that's it like so like i couldn't skate the 908s i wasn't in contact it, with anyone it was, else because of the shell sizes right was that right it, it was like i think it was a size thing? problem and i had a problem with just functionality too just okay. that was me with the, i i couldn't mess with the 908s love the 909s um i've always loved the razor skate i just and i think they're great people there i just want to see them do better like do you know what i mean for our industry and like it's a great skate that's why it pisses me off because it's like oh yeah there's there's nothing there's nothing wrong with the product the, the product a, is and, not the issue yeah no the product's not the issue so I, I and look I love Jeff I love the team and hopefully they don't get you know pissed at me because of this whole thing I hope they don't but um 
If they do, I'm sorry. Don't cancel me. Yeah, what's Andy going to do? Dock your wages? Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'm more about Derek Wack. I'm more worried about Derek Wack and me. <laughs> I, 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 he does not strike me as the type of person to be okay. that irrational. Yeah. Okay, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but uh, yeah, so that it's a. I liked the SSM. I couldn't get an SSM. I wasn't in contact with Matias at the time. I didn't feel like I was down in SoCal. And I was with Bellino and Bellino was skating a pair of razors. And I was like, where did you get those? And he was like, oh, I just asked Jeff for him. And he sent them on over. I was like, no way. Let me try to do that. So I hit up Jeff. I was like, the hey, Jeff. skater clout strikes again. Let, let me get some freebies <laughs> real quick. Exactly. Pretty much, man. And I was like, hey, hey, Jeff, can I, do you mind if I try some skates? Her Bellino's trying them. And he was like, uh, he was like, yeah, of course, man. I'll ship them on over. And they're great skates. You know, not, take I'm care. Not, I'm not take arguing. care of your take care of your guys more. Yeah. You know, and also let me, let's see some stuff. And I'm not trying to say companies need to do this, need to do that. Do what you want. It's your company. You know, but do what you want. It's your company. You know. Yeah. I just think people are going to be more expecting to see more in the future because uh, companies are doing more yeah. now. So, you know, if you want to stay hanging around, you know, take care of your guys. And I'll shut up because I'm trying. I should be impartial about this kind of stuff, no, but I've already said we'll, too much. We'll get, we'll get away with it. Get away okay. from it before you get, yeah, get yourself into any trouble.